Return, O virgin daughter of Israel, to these your highways by which you went. Welcome to Reunion Roadmap, a place to discover the people and communities along the Highway of Restoration for Israel's House of Joseph. Reunion Roadmap is a B'nai Yosef, North America production. Be our guest for the next hour as we meet the people of the emerging House of Joseph here in North America. Hello, this is Stefani Pappas with B'nai Yosef, North America. And with me is Al McCarn, our executive director. And we're going to part two in our interview with Clint Lalam, who lives in the land of Israel. Isn't that right, Al? Yes, we are. You know, Tefania, I do appreciate uh, the opportunities I have to interview people I work with on a daily basis. You know, having interviewed you and David Jones and Barry Phillips uh, within this past year, it's just great to hear more of your stories and uh, help our audience understand where you are coming from and therefore where you, where you're going. Same thing with Clint. The the closer that I walk with him, the more I get to know him in our uh, mutual ministry business with Nations Ninth Above, the more grateful I am that the Father brought us together. And uh, I am looking forward to meeting him face-to-face at last, along with a number of other people when I'm in Jerusalem in a few weeks, uh, even as we are right now recording in the summer of 2023. So in our first uh, segment, Clint was explaining uh, something of what happened during Shavuot in 2023 on the southern steps of the Temple Mount with the closeout rally and prayer service after the Isaiah 62 fast. This time, well, where we pick it up is Clint is explaining his understanding of the the veil that is over the eyes of Israel. And he's speaking specifically of the veil over the Jewish eyes and hearts. This is something close to Clint's heart himself. Um, As you know, he is Jewish, descended from both his father and his mother's side, but was not raised observant. Mm -hmm. So in the... um, 70 years he has walked this planet, he has learned much uh, of his heritage and what it means to be part of the seed of Abraham, both physically and by adoption. We're going to hear some more of that uh, in this segment, and he will go on to explain more of what Christian Friends of Israel is doing. And then we get to the miraculous part toward the end, which will conclude in the third portion of the interview of how did he get to Israel on a long-term clergy visa? Oh, that was that was such a fun story to walk through with him at the end of 2022 and beginning of 2023. Uh, what I found interesting, again, you know, whenever you hear anybody who senses that connection to the land, you hear the land speaking to them that that is that that that's part of them. And both of us have experienced that as well. And I thought that was really interesting that you that people will be drawn to when they hear this uh, aspect of Clint's story as well. Oh, they will. And, you know, if you haven't experienced it, then you don't get it. Yeah, our our friends and brothers um, 
Mike Clayton, Hanno Young, Barry Phillips, uh, and others we know, they have shared their stories of how being in Israel, all of a sudden there was this connection, this understanding that we are part of this land. Yeah. And that's how Clint feels. And you can hear it in the passion of uh, of his voice when he's describing what he's seeing there in Jerusalem and how he got there. So consider this an exhortation to all our listeners. If you have not yet made your uh, journey to the blessed land of Israel, go ahead and start planning. As our friends Mike and Hanoch say, uh, set up your Israel fund, even if that's a jar on the kitchen counter where you start putting nickels and dimes and quarters in there because everyone needs to go see the blessed land that God cares for and calls his own because that is the land that we are all being drawn to ultimately. So here we go back to Jerusalem, Israel, and we'll continue our conversation with Clint Lallum. You, uh, you're you alluding to the veil over the heart of a Jewish man and woman. And the digging I've done through the Tanakh, a lot of that veil goes back to the golden calf incident. Digging into the Hebrew, that word molten, as in molten golden calf. Well, in the Hebrew, that word molten also means veil, covering. And did Moses take the molten golden calf crush it into dust and dirt, put it in water, and have the people drink it. Yes. It also means, in the Hebrew, to fuse. So what was fused over the hearts of the Jewish people? That's not just a simple curtain, but something that has been fused into the soul realm. I'm sure you're aware of the typical Jewish mind cannot separate nefesh soul and ruach spirit. To consider them somewhat the same, and put the word nefesh of a little more broader scope, deeper meaning, as in life. I, I don't do that. My desert experience led me to a clear delineation between the two. I seem to recall something in the book of Hebrews about the word of God being a two-edged sword sundering between soul and spirit. Maybe I've... Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, Corinthians, the aspect of the victory over death, destroying the mountain, the veil over hearts. Part of that veil, um, somewhere throughout the Tanakh, the word salvation in most common English translations, if you look up in the Hebrew, it's literally Yeshua. So in the New Testament, the Christian side, you will read Jesus. They're going to say Yeshua. But Yeshua, uh, power in the name of Jesus, is there power in the name of Yeshua? Through the Psalms, uh, many of the 77-some verses where salvation, they're literally saying Yeshua, but don't make the connection to something out of an abstract concept to a person, an identity, personality. And hence, that's where the veil is blocking that. Hmm. We, we talked a little bit as well of... Um veil on Christian hearts as well, and not understanding a connection to Messiah's kingdom and that that kingdom is Israel. 
obviously, as as you have said, there is one who will fix that. But uh, to come back to the Isaiah 62 fast in this 21-day process that we have just completed, what should we expect next in terms of our king dealing with these veils, these coverings, these divisions among all parts of his people? All parts of his people, all of his people, I, I know I'm one of those. Jewish background from my mother's side and dad's side, primarily mother, Ashkenazi. And you bring up Isaiah 62, it's very personal to me, verse 4, thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, which is delight, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you, and that land will be married, Beulah. Well, that word Beulah, in 2016, when I was contemplating and listening to the Father. It was time for me to leave corporate world. I was on a tour here in in Israel, 2016, June. Every day I kept hearing in the spirit, Beulah, Beulah, Beulah. My very first trip into Israel, November 2005, as soon as I put my feet on the ground, I hear a whisper in the spirit, you're home. So for me, I am married to the land. And there are many within the Israelis, the Jewish world, who consider themselves married to the land. It's a very personal and uh, tentative concept to them. All of the Judean and Samaritan uh, settlements, which the Ninth of October is going to be uh, exposing even more, they fully understand that. And so I'm finding myself literally. 37 years, 36 years after my desert experience, I am living in the land, married to the land. I'm still trying to grasp that because uh, so much has happened in the last six months to really, okay, get my attention even deeper. (laughs) What you just said, Clint, is um, now I have seen it and look forward to seeing it again when the 10 from the nations tour happens this summer of 2023 of these people, these precious Jewish pioneers are feeling and living their connection to the land. You you said married. Yes. Isaiah 62. Yes. That's, that's a absolutely appropriate way to describe it. But when I'm up on Haraha and I'm seeing the vineyards and I'm seeing the love with which that, uh, it's described of how that vineyard came about. And when when I see the new settlements coming up, um, this is something I want the church to understand because then they can grasp what God is doing to come through on all his promises and the part we have to play in it. What I've heard hearing from Mike Bickle and Stuart Greaves and uh, Dean Bai and others who are leaders who God worked through to bring the Isaiah 62 fast and global solemn assembly together, I'm hearing that that vision, that concept, that reality is beginning to dawn on hearts that previously had no clue about it. Are you seeing the same thing? And and what can we expect in days to come? Well, those... um... Those that I kind of like brush shoulders with every day at CFI, 
It's a group scattered from around the world, predominantly South Africans. I'm quite blessed and shocked, surprised. Some of these South Africans know some of my South African friends. Quite a blessing. But so a diverse group of people, Taiwan, Canada, Brazil, um, England, UK, various places, Kenya, Ethiopia, that have a love for Jewish people, for Israel. And we're starting out every morning at 8.30 to 9 with a worship service, prayer, that we would be used by the Holy Spirit that day to express the Father's love to the people that we encounter, uh, for the unity, the work within it. An amazing prayer that goes on to keep the unity, because the enemy would still love to break up CFI. That is somewhat happening in regards to Ray Sanders, Ray and Sharon who started CFI. Ray has been battling Parkinson's for 10 years. And the last six months have been very, very rough hospitalized surgeries and so forth. And he's not out of the hospital yet. So that founding vision that God put in his heart so many years ago, the collection of people the Father has brought around in the CFI it's amazing stuff gets done with such a small number of people. Interviews being lined up, distributions, in-home visits with the Holocaust survivors, building two of the ladies, one from Latvia, one from, from Lithuania, for over 10 years have been building relationships with Russian immigrants on monthly contact building relationships. I don't know of any other ministry in, in Israel that's been doing that for long-term, building relationships and, no, not proselytizing, but expressing the Father's love in actions. You're aware of that that's basically what Shema means. Most Americans, Christians, Shema, here, that's not uh, the Jewish understanding. Shema means if you hear, you go do. The Christian church wants to hold that in reserve. They decide whether they do it or not. Jewish people don't. They hear, they go do. I've heard that before many times. Uh, one of the most amusing ways it was expressed was a uh, a Christian pastor and a rabbi both read the prophecy of Messiah coming down and onto the Mount of Olives. And the pastor will say, well, let us pray. The rabbi says, let's get some shovels and start digging. Is the mountain supposed to split? <laughs> oh, yes. Prophecy as a job description. I appreciate that from that's one of the things I've learned from from our Jewish friends. It's not something God does all by himself, but he's looking for partners, human partners, and therefore it is a job description. It's a call to do something. Yes. Prayer is essential. But at some point, somebody's got to do the work. Hey, Clint, the whole story of how you got to Jerusalem is something of a miracle, of a string of miracles, I believe. So we're recording again at the end of May 2023, and you have been there since February of this year. How did it happen? February 24 at 12.30 in the morning. That's what my visa stamp was going through immigration. How did I get here? I have to go back. Probably the Lord started orchestrating things two years ago. A friend in Texas, Parthenia, 
who has worked with uh, Father Heart Ministry out of New Zealand, Arden Ruben, Ruben uh, and Jonathan Winter. She was at a Father Heart conference in Nairobi, Kenya, a year and a half, so it'll be 2021, October. And at this conference, there happened to be a gentleman from Portland, Oregon, Dan, on a different ministry in Nairobi, same conference center. Dan wanders over and starts listening to Father Hart, meets Parthenia. Fast forward January of 2022, I'm on a road trip to see my family, siblings, and I ended up closed the trip off with speaking at a home church in Portland, Oregon, January 15. This Dan was the one doing the recording, the media audio. And so after I get done speaking that night, the next week, he calls up Parthenia, you need to talk to Clint. So we exchanged phones, emails. I finally met Parthenia May 2020 at the uh, March of Remembrance, SMU campus, Dallas, and uh, amazingly hit it off her love for Israel. And uh, she invited me to a Father Heart conference in June a year ago, which I went through the one-week conference in Fort Worth. She also forwarded an application to CFI. So I was proceeding with updating the necessary paperwork. The thing of this, it's been a burden yearning in my heart to live and work in Israel for over 20 years. Uh, my mother's maiden name, Kantrovich. It's a Polish word for son of a cantor. Anytime I mention Kantrovich to an Orthodox Jew, they'll step back and say, oh, you're Jewish. But Grandpa and Grandma left Southern Poland in 1905. So that basically, that history route, it got cut off. And when I retired after the June 2016 Beulah encounter in the land, Retired from the corporate world, went into retirement, Social Security, pension, da-da-da, seven years, and anyhow, figuring out how to get and live and work in Israel, looking at starting a company and taking that approach. My rabbis, they're Messianic. My parents, they're not married in Jew buried in Jewish cemeteries, okay? So the criteria for the Ministry of the Interior, I wouldn't get very far, not currently. So the initial paperwork I submitted to CFI because of my background, uh, software engineering, uh, very diverse, not only software engineering, but army, petroleum, farming, ranching, construction. Data. I've done a lot of things, blessed with a very broad scope of talk to anybody about anything. So I fill out my resume, update it, start submitting paperwork into CFI. I have a Zoom, face-to-face -face kind of Zoom interview with Sharon and the HR rep at the time, and uh, two interviews that I explained that I was committed to go to Kenya. And then, lo and behold, at the end of Kenya, that was Sukkot last year. So I took in the 10 days of Sukkot last year. And then I was committed to a month in South Africa after that. So I had these three stops to take care of prior to finishing the paperwork to CFI. When I was in Jerusalem, October last year, Sukkot, I went and had a face-to-face -face with Sharon, a three-hour conversation that just flowed some interesting subjects far beyond 
software engineering, okay, and why I would be coming to help with their computer systems. They have an old 10, 12-year-old system, end of life, it needs to be upgraded, new hardware, and so forth. So it's primarily what I'm doing here. But then also uh, a two-hour interview with the current executive director, uh, Tristan Hall. And so after that, I trips off to South Africa. When I get back to Dallas in the end of November, I get word from them that you should switch over from a B4 volunteer visa to an A3. An A3? What do you mean A3? What's the criteria? Da, da, da. A3 clergy visa. Well, I wasn't legally or technically a pastor, although I've been pastoring since 2003, starting in Mexico City. South Africa, India, Nepal, various places. So I explained the situation to my Friday night fellowship, Dr. Victoria Cervati and Dr. Bron Broccoli, and the interesting Friday night fellowship, Richard Booker, Dr. Booker, Dr. John Garr, Dr. Brad Young, Dr. Vicky Cervati. They arranged with Dr. John Garr to go through an ordination. So December of last year, ordained. I submit that paperwork into CFI. And so January 15, two of the amazing ladies at uh, CFI prayed before they took my paperwork into the Ministry of the Interior. Whoever we get the seat today, have them stamp it without knowing what they're doing. And lo and behold, they end up getting a young Muslim man. Who did that? He stamped, approved it. Out the door they went. Here is Eved Adonai with Because He Shall Not Abandon. Hashem Moshiach, 
Welcome to the Midrash portion of Reunion Roadmap. This is David Jones, and with me today is Barry Phillips. Shalom, brother. Shalom, David. Barry, I'm pleading with you this morning. Oh. I, got some stuff, I got some stuff I need to go pleading with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking about um, Moses, and um, as he's getting ready to cross into the land, he's got Israel set. They're there at the border, and, and uh, Moshe, he's looking over into the land and and uh and and in deuteronomy 323 we kind of have a retelling of of the story about what was going on here and, and moshe is relaying to the next generation you know what was going on and you're about to go into the land and these are things you need to remember things that are important and and uh, don't forget where you came from and what you always brought you through and these are the things you have to make sure you do when you get into the land and so all of these things but then in in, in the middle of all that he kind of throws in there this little thing where he says i pleaded with adonai saying lord adonai you you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand what god is there in heaven and earth that can do these great deeds mighty acts like yours and are you sure i can't go into the land please 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 (laughs) and i'm thinking okay what's really going on here um other than the obvious that moses really does want to go into the land but because uh, we we go back and read the story because he struck the rock he was not permitted to lead them into the land but what was he asking for Ved Hanan is uh the word for and, and I pleaded and Ved Hanan is is uh, to plead well is from the word Hanan which means uh grace or merciful to be you know you know mercy and and all these words here so he's like lord be merciful to me when we translate that as and i was pleading but do we actually have to go pleading to yahweh for everything i mean is is it wrong to do this or is this something that we feel like we have to do like you know yahweh doesn't hear us unless we are but is it wrong to do so um you know, we're not told we have to approach him this way. We can approach confidently as we come before the Father, knowing he said, if you ask anything, I'll give it to you. But then what warrants laying your heart open before the Father and just uh, pleading with him? And and um, do we have to live in this balance of this? I mean, there, there's a lot of things to go in here because we do see places in scripture where uh people have done this where where they have come and we you know see david pleading with yahweh throughout many of the psalms and even in the story of 
just reading through his story, we see many of that, and we see Yeshua in the in, in the garden. You could say he's pleading with Yahweh, Lord, is there? You know, if there's any other way to let this cup pass for me, right? But if not, let your will be done, not mine. And, and so we have all we do have examples of that, but I don't think that's where we have to live. I think that's kind of exceptional situations. I, I think we should be able to just come before the Father and make our needs known, uh, because that's what the Scripture said we can do. We can come confidently, boldly before the throne, not like we're going to kick down the door and give him a list of demands, but we can come before him knowing the relationship that we have with him, that we can be open with him in that. And so I know as we were kind of setting up and getting things ready to, to hit record here, you had some thoughts about that word Hanan in and of itself. So, uh, uh, Barry, what do you, what do you think's going on here? Well, as you're describing that, David, I'm thinking of a child who comes to a parent who has told them no on whatever the request is. And the child's response is to re-argue or represent their case, followed by, as you have described, the multiple please, 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 please. That is to suggest in their estimation that my parent has made a hasty decision not based on all the facts, and I am going to use the word please with my facial expressions to get a more favorable answer from them. In other words, to get my way. If a parent is not careful, they will do one of two things. Either they will do as a child, as I said, the child suspects, they can make a hasty decision and just say no, sometimes out of habit. Or on the other side of that coin, they can um, they can back up and say, well, okay. Well, why did you say no to begin with? There had if 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 it wasn't habit and if it wasn't hasty. There was a reason why you thought this is not a good idea. This is not a safe thing for you. I'm going to say no. A child looking at you and saying, please, 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 I'll be good. I promise. I promise I will do whatever is requested. Knowing that a child does not exercise the fullest of responsibility especially if you don't hold them accountable. Likewise, we go to the father like children. You know, Yeshua said, come to him as a child. Well, that doesn't mean coming, pleading, please, 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 please. When Yah says no, he's not doing so hastily, and it's not without the full knowledge of the facts. <laughs> so whatever angle that we seek to to implore before him, such as Moses saying, you know, you've only started to show me this this good way. And uh, uh, please finish what you started in me. Perhaps he was getting Yah to look at it from another angle. Isn't that what uh, Balak did with Balaam? You're just not looking at Israel right. Let me take you to a different mountain. 
let me show you from another angle. There, there's sin in that camp. I know it. We just got to find it. We just got to turn until we see it, and then you can curse them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, there's always another way of looking at things, but we have to be aware and mindful that Yah already knows. When Yah says no, as he did with Moshe here, it's out of an act of mercy. And if we follow that train of thought through, if he had said and relented to Moshe and said, okay, you can go in, that would have conveyed to Am Israel, the community of Israel, at least two things. One is Yah does have favorites that he will show favoritism to. And therefore, since uh, I'm not his favorite like Moshe, I don't stand chance. The other thing is Yah's not consistent in his word. He will change his mind, and therefore, all I need to do is get him to change his mind. Maybe this entire first generation can go in. Okay, if Moshe can go in, everybody else can. And that would have caused Yah to have to back up a long, long way on what he had already declared to be so. Mm. So because of the the perfect order of the way that Yahweh has done, done things and who he is, he created everything in, in order. And because of all of this, he won't go against that. And that was showing mercy to the nation of Israel, not just Moses. Because he yeah. said, I, Moses, I can't let you in because I told you, you weren't getting in. And, and so now, if I let you in, then Israel's not going to trust me. So I'm going to show mercy to Israel by not letting you in. This that's, that's kind of a weird way of look of, of the way we understand that. But on the one side of that, um, we can we can also relate that back to Adam and Hava. You know, Adam and Eve, when Yahweh kicked them out of the garden and put guards around it to make sure they didn't get their way back, that was an act of mercy because. He said, lest they eat from the tree mm-hmm. of life. Yes. You know, and because, and you know, man was supposed to eat from the tree of life, but chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead. And that was the only tree they were not supposed to have was that one. And so, uh, so Yahweh kicked them out of the garden. And, and I believe that was an act of mercy there. And even here um, with Moses. He says, uh, it, it's, it's funny because he kind of does speak to him like, you know, a parent would to the, to the kid. He says, you know, Hey, enough. We're not going to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he says, that's enough. I've, I've said it and I'm not going to talk about this again. Now go to the top of the mountain and go look at it. And, and I'm like, oh, wow, that seems, I mean, that, is that merciful or is that harsh? You know, go look at it, but you're not going to go in there, but you're going to see it. I'll, I'll let you see it. But you're not going in. But then he says something interesting. He says, then when you then you're going to go commission Joshua and you're going to encourage him because he's going to cause these people to cross into that. So I think this that was a matter of Yahweh showing Moses his his point of view. Of saying, No, look, told you, because you did not sanctify my name with the with the with the hit by you hitting the rock when I told you to speak to it. You were disobedient there. And 
So by going up to see the land, see the goodness of it, this is where we're going. This is what you've led the people to. But I want you to see Joshua is taking them there. Hmm. And so yeah. I think that that was an act of, of mercy there of, of Yahweh guaranteeing Moshe. Could Moses have kind of thought maybe, God, are you really going to take us across? Mm. You know, because I mean, in his mind, he's, he's just the, the, la, the, la, the last generation didn't do it. Or is this generation really going to do it? And so I'm kind of thinking this was Yahweh being merciful to Moshe, showing him his grace and saying, look, I want you to understand I am leading them in. So Moshe could have taken this personally, puffed up, uh, and said, well, if you're not going to let me go in, I'm not leading these people an inch beyond where they're at. You just have to do it yourself. Send someone else. I'm done. <laughs> um, and we laugh, and you're, you know, but we, we, we've all had that pouty attitude. But you mentioned the setting apart of his name. More important than our getting our way or having a yes answer to our prayer is the setting apart of his name. If Yah is saying no, it's very likely it will be because the end result will be that his name will not be set apart like the end result of um, a, a different answer. So if he says yes, you know, we may end up making foolish choices after that and we will desecrate his name or not fully uh, set it apart. Whereas by the no, he's keeping us out of a place where uh, we would otherwise make a mistake. Um, as with a child, if you, once you start listening to the begging and the pleading, uh, once you relent, now they've got a toehold on a methodology that they will employ over and over and over again. If I beg hard enough, they'll say yes. But then so, it also doesn't that uh, David speak toward our relationship, uh, where where we we have this mindset that Yah's uh, his default demeanor toward us is that of wrath and judgment. It's not. He's a loving father who wants to give us good things to bless us, encourage us. Yah wants to say yes to our prayers, but we need to learn to pray the prayer that he can say yes to. That's a difference. Hmm. Where we put our focus in the midst of that, are, are we thinking of something just that we want right here, right now, or are we really thinking of the benefit of the body as well? Yep. It's another way to put it. Uh, you know, sometimes we get that no, and no doesn't mean yell louder <laughs> until until it caves. It's a matter of, uh, you know, Yahweh says, no, I have something better, an alternative route for you. That's what we need to seek. I guess we're looking at that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. Mm, kind of like Habakkuk said, I'm going to stand right here and just see what you've got to say about all my complaint. And when Yah got finished with him, he didn't have anything else more to say. <laughs> you know, I forgot about that, but that is an excellent example. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Barry, that's uh, 
Speaking of, uh, well, that's all we got to say about that. We're about out of time. You want to <laughs> take us out? Uh, so, folks, we appreciate you listening in. If you have comments, questions, ideas for a Midrash, you can reach us at Reunion Roadmap at BenetJosephNA.com. And now, Merciful by Jimmy Black from his album, Merciful. See
the music of Jimmy Black, Merciful. And before that, Because He Shall Not Abandon by Yvette Adonai. And uh, we had Barry and David presenting their Midrash Mercy in No. Wow, Tefania, uh, you have probably, like me, experienced a few times when God said no, we didn't like it. And six months later, we w- looked back and said, thank you, God, for not letting me get on that road. Yes. The merciful nose of God, how how has that manifested in your life and in your walk with Yeshua? I've had the the nose as, as a severe reprimand, in fact, uh, the, the no in such a way that uh, if I didn't make a particular decision, that I may not live to see the consequences of the decision, you know, so, and it was kind of like you, you came to me in a dream speaking to me about that and how I needed to make that decision. And I, did, and I made it while sleeping that I said, okay, in the morning, I'll just, I'll do what I need to do to take care of the situation. Yeah. Now the scriptural accounts that Barry and David were sharing are, um, very helpful in understanding this concept. You know, with Moses and Aaron, no, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land just because you hit the rock instead of spoke spoke to it. Uh, we think it's unfair. I've always looked at that from the, the my childhood. I looked at that account and said, well, that's not fair. How, what's the big deal that Moses led these people all these years and now he can't even go into the land? Uh, our elders explain one very helpful aspect in that. I appreciate Barry stepping back and trying to look at it from the perspective of our Heavenly Father, as in, if you say yes to Moses, then what about that whole generation of people who is perishing in the desert because you said no to them? And what what kind of mercy is there in the no? Well, maintaining order in the kingdom, instilling the kind of discipline and self-control that we are supposed to have with the fruits of the Ruach HaKodesh. Yeah. You know, if he's just continuously saying yes, 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 regardless on what terms, you know, our own selfish terms, mm-hmm. then, then what's going to happen? Well, we end up with chaos. Yeah. It's not fun to hear no from our God, but it is good rather than chafing and getting angry. It is good to find out why. And then if he doesn't explain it immediately, which he doesn't often, mm-hmm. just keep walking through it. Yes. I should say I am thankful that the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life quite often is my wife. Mm, and she yeah. can see things and sense things better than I can. So sometimes God's, yeah, the, the merciful no comes through our wives sometimes, isn't it? Exactly. I can relate to, to that as well. Yes. <laughs> this is something we'll have to take up again in a later conversation because we are right now out of time. If you have enjoyed the show and enjoy our other podcasts, then please go see our website, beneyosefna.com. B-N-E-Y-Y-O-S-E-F-N-A dot com. Check out our resources. Sign up for our newsletter. 
hit the donate button if you uh, feel led to partner with us. We would certainly appreciate it. But do come back next week for another new edition of Reunion Roadmap. On behalf of Stefania Pappas, Barry Phillips, and David Jones, this is Al McCarn. Shavuotov. Thank you for joining us on our Union Roadmap, a production of B'nai Yosef North America. Please come back next week for another visit with the people of the Emerging House of Joseph here in North America.